Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley Herford, and today I am joined by Jackson Glenn, who is currently studying abroad in Japan. So, Jackson, would you like to give us your classic Notre Dame introduction as well as toss in your study abroad info? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Jackson Glenn. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm a junior this year, and I live in Bomber Hall. Go Bucks. Uh, I'm double majoring in Chinese language and East Asian history with a double minor in Russian studies and constitutional studies. Uh, This semester, I have been lucky enough to study in Kyoto, Japan. And I'm currently living in Osaka, and it's been incredible so far. Nice. Yeah, so tell us more about where you're studying abroad, how it is studying in one place, living in another. What led you to choose that location? So I, like I said, I'm living in Osaka, and I study every day in Kyoto, which is about an hour and a half away. So I take the uh, Hanki Railway, which is one of the established railways in Japan. I take it every day for about an hour, 15 minutes. And even though I'm not necessarily normally a morning person, it's been really nice to have that hour and a half on the train where I can kind of just find my thoughts and prepare myself for the day. And it's been really nice to be able to just have that hour to wake up and relax and prepare myself. Coming to Japan, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I had never really studied Japan, Japanese society or Japanese history prior to coming here. And so I was a little nervous, but overall, Japanese society is incredible. The people here are all incredibly kind. I have I have not met one person who has been mean or rude. If I ever have any questions, I can just ask someone random on the street and they are always more than happy to help me. One time I asked someone where a store was and they walked me to the store, which is about 15 minutes out of their way, which I think just is very descriptive of how Japanese people are. Um, Also, the two cities I live in, Osaka and Kyoto, are very different from one another. Osaka is considered a a more modern city. It's all built um, post-war, so there's not many old, old buildings. It's kind of the quintessential skyscraper, like huge streets, very busy, a lot of taxis and everything where Kyoto is very old and it has a very wide range of architecture coming from this 8th century Japan all the way up into more modern buildings and they're side by side. So it's a very different looking city than anything I've ever seen before. But overall, I couldn't really choose which one I love more. They're both just incredible. Super cool. Random question, but how has it been with the World Cup and being in Japan? Are people really into it? Um. So actually, I don't know if everyone knows, but Japan just beat Germany in the World Cup. And that was a huge deal. The next day, you had people, everyone wearing their Japanese jerseys. You, that was all those um, Japanese news media outlets talked about. There's a uh, really popular Japanese anime that has been going on for the past couple months about soccer. And that was obviously got a huge uptick in popularity because of the win. So 
it's been it's been very very cool to see uh soccer or football from a different perspective yeah that's super cool and i ask that too because the picture of the japanese locker room after one of their games went totally viral so i was like oh it's been on the forefront of everyone's mind i wonder yeah the upset was probably crazy cool that's awesome um and then in general since you're studying chinese so much at school and then now you're studying abroad in japan what led you to become so interested in studying Chinese, studying in Japan, and just in general studying East Asia? Um, so I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot growing up. And my first trip to China or East Asia was in 2012 with my family. And my mom and two sisters and I, we traveled around China for about three, three and a half weeks. And that was my first adventure into East Asia. And I fell in love with the culture, I fell in love with the people, and I fell in love with the history. So when I had the opportunity in high school to take Chinese, I, I jumped at the chance. And mm. I'm now, I've been studying Chinese for about six years now. And wow. as much of the language I've learned, I've also learned about culture. I've learned about the traditions. I've And I've met so many, so many incredible people through my through my adventures in Chinese. And I was actually looking forward to studying in Shanghai this semester, but because of COVID mm -hmm. and China's COVID policies, I unfortunately wasn't able to do that. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to study somewhere in East Asia still, because I really love the cultural tendencies and just the people there. So my next, I, my next thought was Japan. And as I started to do more research into Japanese history, and the Japanese language, I I was struck by the similarities, but also the differences with China. So China and Japan have the oldest relationship in the world. They're the, they have the longest running relationship between two countries, and it's been stemming throughout since the sixth century. So it's a really unique relationship that you're not really able to get anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And I really, really enjoyed the length of time I could study. Um, and then as I started to do more research into the language and started to learn more of the language it it's first off it's nothing similar to Chinese there are no similarities <laughs> between it at all that was that was a bit daunting at first the grammar is just impossible but um I really I really started to enjoy learning the language because I I was able to kind of communicate with some of the my homestay people my homestay family who I was contacting weeks prior and I was able to share basic, basic sentences, basic greetings. And I, it just made me more excited to study the language and prepare myself for coming here. So it's been, it's been incredible so far. Nice. Yeah. How has studying Japanese been? Has it really enriched your experience getting able to show off your new skills and practice? As much as I wish I could say I'm, I'm good at Japanese, <laughs> I am not yet. Um, as someone who studied Chinese and Chinese is often considered like the hardest language, I can decisively say, I think Japanese is harder than Chinese. Mm. At least Chinese grammar is similar to English. Japanese grammar is just completely foreign to me. It's the complete opposite direction. You read right to left in some circumstances, the same pronunciation of the exact same word can mean four different things depending on the context it's used in. So it's been very difficult, but it's definitely has enriched my circum my circumstances here because 
every time I go to a restaurant, they don't really expect a, a foreigner who's blonde and tall to have any concept of the, <laughs> of the language. So anytime I order in Japanese or I ask a question in Japanese, I usually get the same response of like uh, a disbelieving like gasp and they'll be like, why do you speak any Japanese? And it's <laughs> that's always that's always a good feeling to feel I'm I'm becoming more and more part of the culture. That's really cool. That's that's exciting that you get to practice and people are impressed by it or at least surprised. So that's how you got to this experience. And then so far you've spent, I mean, at this point, you're coming to the end of your experience studying in Japan. How has it shaped you so far? I think it's definitely made me firstly a lot more thankful for my my life in the U.S., just in my upbringing in the U.S. It's a very different kind of lifestyle here. Everything is very strict and very organized and everything is on a specific time period. And as someone who's definitely a little more free, free flowing and go with the flow, it's been a bit of a change for me. And I've definitely had to adapt my lifestyle and perspective to fit into this mold. And it was challenging at first, but I can definitely see the benefits of doing so. And I, I think I will be able to bring some of those qualities back to Notre Dame in the spring. And I'll be a lot more streamlined and a lot more organized in terms of classes, in terms of my schedule. And I, I think I'm going to be a lot more excited to undertake a task of learning Japanese and Chinese because I'm able to see firsthand how learning the language can improve your time in another country. So I'm, mm -hmm. it's definitely made me a lot more excited for the future. Very cool. Do you think you'll remain an early riser when you return to Notre Dame? I like to think I will, <laughs> but I guess only time will tell because I don't necessarily have to get up early at Notre Dame. There's mm -hmm. the, the train schedule here is obviously very strict and there's only one train every hour on for like, uh, that will get me there in the time I need. So if I miss the train at 635, I, I won't make it to class. So I kind of have to get up. Mm -hmm. Whereas at, at ND, I don't think there's any, there's no classes before 8am. So I can get up at 755 and still make it to class. <laughs> so only time will tell, but I'm, I'm hoping I will. Yeah. The classic game of how late can I stay in bed before I have to leave? I'm going to like 57, pushing every second. Yeah, exactly. Do, do I need breakfast today? Can I Can I just get an no, early No, I lunch? can go without. I don't need to wear nice clothes. I'll brush my teeth and leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. And then also this past week was just Thanksgiving. And obviously there's like a ton of football traditions and a lot of American traditions that you experience very differently when you're abroad so what was your experience this past week did you celebrate in any way um so some of the kids in my program or in the in the program that is connected with mine had a, a thanksgiving dinner amongst them and it was just essentially the foods that they could get here so there's no turkey there was no like stuffing it was just essentially mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and some other <laughs> kind of easy to acquire foods, but that was pretty nice. But other than that, it was just a normal Thursday. There obviously was no kind of tradition of celebrating here. My my Japanese teacher, of course, said thank happy Thanksgiving and everything, but that was just a, a cordial greeting. My host family didn't have any idea that it was even Thanksgiving. 
Um, the only thing I guess I can say I did on Thanksgiving Day was I stayed up late and watched the NFL games because Buffalo was playing on Thursday against the Lions. Go Bills. Um, <laughs> but it was just an average Thursday because of the – and especially with the 14-hour time difference. By the time yeah. it was Thanksgiving back home, it was almost bedtime for me. So there wasn't there wasn't too much to experience. That's huge. The time difference is very significant. Yeah. Yeah. I also I was watching the I was watching the Bills game and I was like, oh, I'm talking to Jackson next week. Like, I wonder if he's watching because I think you're the only person I know from Buffalo. So uh, <laughs> that's the only yeah, not, only one. I not many people. Yeah. Nice. And then have you been able to connect with any alumni abroad or has is there a large like or any Notre Dame presence where you are? Um, there's no Notre Dame presence in Osaka or Kyoto at the moment, but there is some alumni in Tokyo and I was actually supposed to meet up with them the weekend before Thanksgiving, uh, for a Boston or a BC Notre Dame watch game and have a, a dinner with them. But Fun. due to my own schedule mishaps, I mismarked which weekend it was. And oh, I bought no. tickets to Tokyo for the wrong weekend. And it was supposed to be the weekend before. And I got a an email the night of on a Saturday that was like, oh, are you having any difficulty finding the restaurant and all this stuff while I was sitting in my homestay in Osaka just doing homework? And that was a, that was an awkward email. <laughs> oh, no. So I felt a little bad. But I think there were there were only two other students that are studying here this semester, and I think there, it's a very small alumni program in Tokyo. But it, it was comforting to know that if I ever needed anything, there were other Notre Dame like alumni who were here if I needed help. So that that was really nice. Nice. And can you tell me a little bit more about the program that you're a part of, since it's not a Notre Dame program, and how you think that's been? Yeah. Um, so I'm in a program that is called uh, Modernizing Ancient Japan. Uh, it's part of the a CIEE program, which is a company that runs programs all around the world. And it's more of a it, it has programs in very in smaller cities or in some larger cities as well. But it's a much smaller program. And it's so my program has seven students in it right now. So it's a much more individualized um, experience. Uh, they off they did offer the homestay or dorm rooms, which was which was nice. But I definitely chose to do the homestay. Mm. Uh, the program is really new in its conception. We're actually the inaugural class, so it obviously has its has its problems. But overall, it's been a really positive experience. The the workers there are extremely nice. The teachers that they have um, teaching us are all incredibly knowledgeable. The environment is right, is, is very comforting. And our center is actually directly in the heart of Kyoto, which is a very, very interesting area because you get to see the combination of the ancient and the modern and which is obviously ex extremely interesting for me being a history major. So mm -hmm. overall, it's been an extremely positive experience. Nice. How is it staying with a homestay? What's your experience experience been? Yeah, um, I was definitely a little nervous coming into the experience because my Japanese is very limited. Um, mm -hmm. But it's 
been nothing short of incredible so far. I, I got extremely lucky with the homestay I was put in. It, it fits my personality extremely well. I have the ability to have my own space, my own alone time, but I also am able to engage with the family, which is amazing. Um, I'm currently staying with a, I believe he's, he's a 35 year old PhD student um, who is studying engineering and he is, his English is pretty good. So he likes to practice his English. I get to practice my Japanese. So it's, it's, it's very nice. And then the mom is a, she owns a cafe. So it's been amazing because I get incredible meals every day. <laughs> I get a different meal for lunch every, I mean, for dinner every night. I get breakfast every morning. So living in the homestay has probably been the best decision I made here because it, it allowed me to really experience Japanese culture to an, a greater degree than I think I would have been able to do in a dorm. And I, I live in a really quintessential Japanese style house. So I sleep on a futon on the ground. I have tatami mats. I have sliding doors. I, I hit my head on everything because the doorways are all <laughs> like five, nine, which has been a little tough at nights, but overall it's been an extremely positive experience. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I would be really interested to see how that would be. And with kind of a theme, you've brought up this, this conversation about going outside your comfort zone and trying, you know, a non-traditional program, at least for us Notre Dame kids, what would you tell other students, Notre Dame students, when it comes to being pushed outside of your comfort zone? Or what would you tell those who are considering programs that are not the traditional ones like London or Rome? So coming to Japan was definitely out of my comfort zone at first, not being able to speak the language, only having a limited understanding of the society, I, I was a little nervous at first, but mm -hmm. looking back on it, I can honestly say this is probably the best experience of my life. And going out of my comfort zone has only made my time here that much more enjoyable. You'll never be able to find what you truly enjoy or you love in life if you only do the same thing over and over. So I'm definitely an advocate for going out of your comfort zone because it's what you remember. You're never going to remember eating the same thing every night or doing the same thing every Friday. It's only when you experience something different that makes you think about why you're doing it and what you're going to gain from it that you can truly, truly appreciate what life has to offer. So for anyone considering doing a non-traditional program, I definitely think they should go, go for it and take the, take the leap. That was an awesome answer. That was super good. Yeah, I'm convinced. Just in general, what's your biggest takeaway from your experience? Has there been any one moment that's really impacted you or has it been, been a bunch of little ones? Like, what do you think the, the biggest thing you've learned or your biggest takeaway will be? So I think my biggest takeaway from studying in Japan has been a, a growing love of learning the languages again. Obviously, I, I love learning languages as I studied Chinese and Russian, but being here and spending three months learning a language in a, in the place where it's spoken has really reinvigorated my my love of learning different languages and foreign languages. It's only while I was here that I truly understood why I was learning. I was so interested in learning languages. I'm able to communicate effectively in their in with so many different people and truly learn about their styles of life and how they go about their days that I, I don't think would have been possible if I only 
spoke English. So I think definitely one of my biggest takeaways is the importance of learning foreign languages to be able to understand other people's cultures. And then I also think it's really important to recognize why people around the world may have different views or different perspectives on something that you think is cut and dry. Um, particularly in Japan, it's um, economically, it's very different here. The job salaries are significantly less. So people are not necessarily as money oriented as I feel people in the US are. So they're a lot more willing to they're a lot more willing to spend their time helping others and they're a lot more willing to donate money and donate their time to help other peoples in society who aren't doing as well. And that's not to say that Americans aren't that way, but I feel like America is significantly more oriented towards always having a career, always or earning a lot of money, always having nicer and nicer things, where I, I just feel Japan is much more culturally oriented towards just enjoying your life and being able to help other people, which is, like you said earlier, um, in terms of the World Cup, the Japanese team cleaned up the locker room after they left. And that really exemplifies what Japanese people are like here. They are so oriented towards helping the society as a whole rather than themselves. And I, I think that's something I'm going to remember with me my whole life and try to incorporate in my life back in the U.S. Nice. This sounds really awesome. I kind of want to go to Japan right now and Definitely get should. to experience all that you're talking about. It sounds so great. And, you know, with that, your biggest takeaway taking away to where back home back to the u.s and notre dame how do you think that transition will go um do you think i think a lot of people have kind of like reverse culture shock when they return back to their home after studying abroad at least that's what i've heard from interviewing people on the podcast so yeah how do you think that'll go what are you excited for and what do you think will be interesting and something you'll be able to experience in a whole different way now that you've been abroad i definitely think there will be a level of reverse culture shock um i haven't talked about it so much but on every corner there is a convenience store every every single corner it's either a 7-eleven or a lawson and they all every single convenience store sells the exact same thing but they all manage to stay in business and i it's really it speaks to how how japanese society is oriented towards the convenience so they and these convenience stores are a lot more they have a lot more items than convenience stores in the u.s you can get full meals you can get your your tires fixed you can get literally Whoa. everything in these stores so i think it's going to be a really big transition for me because i i do take advantage of those stores and everything is within walking distance here everything is much cheaper there is a lot less, I feel like there's a lot less communication in terms of I can go into a store and not need to talk to anyone. I can just get what I need to get and be out of there or restaurants that you don't, there's not, almost no waiters in most restaurants. You just mm -hmm. click a button on a, on a vending machine, essentially you get a ticket and then someone brings you your food in a little bit. So it's a lot more oriented towards convenience and quickness where 
the U.S. is not so much oriented towards that. So I think I'm going to have a, a difficult time reorienting myself to driving and going out to restaurants and ordering food and stuff like that. So I think that's definitely going to be a cultural shock. And but I definitely am I, on, the, on the flip side, I'm definitely excited to drive my car again, which is <laughs> going to be very nice because everything is travel is kind of limited to here where you're where the trains take you which is nice but also being able to just drive and go where i want to go at any time will be really nice and food i i love the food here don't get me wrong i love the food here but the portions are so incredibly small that i end up having to eat like i eat at six with the homestay breakfast i get here and then i have to eat at 9 30 and then i eat at noon and then i eat at like three <laughs> And it's definitely a little inconvenient. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to just have one meal for my lunch instead of having to eat multiple times. Oh, yeah. Like a, yeah, the American portions are massive, too. So <laughs> yes. you can even take leftovers afterwards. Nice. Yeah, that's funny. And then just last question, something we like to finish with. What else would you like to share with future study abroad students? Do you have any advice for people hoping to study abroad, not where, not knowing where to start? So for people who don't necessarily know where to start and they still want to study abroad, I, I think talking to people who are currently studying abroad or studied abroad in the past, I think they're they're really good resources for figuring out what you want to do in the future. They their lives where they um where they studied abroad in, they'll be very good indicators of what your life would be like if you studied there. And they'll be able to provide you with a lot of information that you might not be able to get off the program's website, such as cool places to go in the city or what the nightlife is like or what the social scene is like or just in general what the food is, if, if you like the food or not. And so I think they're really good resources. And also do do some research on your own outside of necessarily the programs, because, of course, the program listings are going to have a lot of information. But by by researching a place or places that you're interested in alone and, and maybe orienting your search for programs based on if you have any idea where you want to go i think that's a, a really good start to to finding out if you want to study abroad and ending and finding where you want to go and i think that if you want to study abroad and if you are thinking about if you even think that you want to study abroad i i think by using those resources you'll be able to find the perfect place yeah i think that's huge and I, at least for me, I don't think I asked many people about their abroad experience because I was almost like nervous about asking like, oh, what if like, I don't know if they want to talk about it, which, but most people do, like you said, and I think people are normally pretty candid, which is really, really helpful in getting mm -hmm. to know how things would actually be, which is super awesome. And to all the listeners, I'm sure Jackson would also be willing to be a resource to you. Yes. And listen, listening to this podcast, I feel like I learned a lot already. So awesome. And on that note, I think that's, you know, all the questions we have for today, but I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Beyond Study Abroad. This is our final episode for the fall of season three. So I will see you all in January when I am in Rome. 
talk to you then, but until then, stay updated on all things study abroad on our Instagram at ND International.